Welcome to CPF Firewire, a podcast from California professional firefighters where we discuss a wide range of issues affecting firefighters, our unions, our families, and the communities we serve. Hello and welcome to CPF Firewire. I'm the CPF president, Brian Rice. Obviously, uh, we're a little off schedule and I think you all know why. Um, with uh, COVID-19 and how that's affected our state. And probably one of the things that it's not affected is that firefighters are the first ones called whenever a disaster strikes. And we're always the front line of defense in uh, emergency uh, medical situations. And the pressure of this role has never been greater than it is now. Uh, Our firefighters are responding uh, in the shadow of a possible exposure to coronavirus. And the risk of exposure adds adds yet another behavioral health issue that our members must cope with as they do their job. It's not just what you as a um, my brother and sister firefighters do. It's what you're bringing home to your family too. It's added a whole new dimension to stress levels in behavioral health and the things that we need to be aware of. And today, um, we're going to talk to my friend, uh, Dr. Steve Froelich. Steve is the Director of Behavioral Health Services for United Firefighters of Los Angeles, Local 112. And he also heads up the city's peer support team. Uh, Steve spent nearly 30 years working with frontline firefighters, both with UFLAC and with Los Angeles County Fire's Critical Incident Stress Management System. Uh, Steve's been a mental health professional for more than 40 years. And I just want to say I'm going to do it officially. Dr. Steve Forlick, welcome and thank you for joining us. Steve, I'm honored to have you here with us. Uh, President Rice, uh, truly an honor for me uh, to be able to talk with you and the membership. It's been a process. It's been a journey. And I can't thank you enough for all of the support that you you bring. Uh, and we'll talk about that as, as we go through today's uh, conversation. This is kind of a strange um, natural disaster. It's a pandemic. I think we can call it a natural disaster, but it feels a lot different in many ways from a standpoint, certainly a standpoint of behavioral health. I mean, we can't see it. We can't really um, touch it until it's either in our midst midst, or it, um, it shows itself to us. But it adds a stress that's that's completely invisible. It's not like a fire. Um, whether you have a physical rescue, it's not like a um, a tough EMS call. Are you seeing differences in the field with firefighters? And has your approach to this changed from what a normal response to a behavioral health situation has been? What are some of the unique things you're seeing? Yeah, thank you, Brian. Thank you for that question because this has really been. Um, a learning experience. It's been eye-opening uh, because we're used to thinking about the behavioral health piece when it comes to cumulative stress. Uh, let's the typical calls that firefighters are uh, running on every ship, uh, and how the that, that can uh, add up and take a toll over time. Um, but when the shift is over and the firefighter goes home. The COVID-19 is not a potential threat in the normal scenario. And in, in this case, there's no real delineation between the work front and then going home. And you have to even ask the question, 
firefighter, depending on the circumstance at home, do I go home? Do I sleep in my car? Do I stay in a right. Do I quarantine? You know, what do I do? Um, and when do we need to, when do firefighters need to think about that? There may be things that firefighters are not going to talk about and you know, maybe compartmentalize a, a difficult call. They're not going to go home and share it. In this case, with an infectious disease, uh, and you called it in, an invisible threat, and it is, um, there's no delineation between work and home. And um, yeah, so very complex scenario. I wonder, are you seeing more um, interaction with firefighters and, and questions from spouses, or do spouses have, you know, have access to, to behavioral health support? And, and I'm kind of speaking specifically to, towards 112 here and what your experience is. What kind of effects are we seeing in the home life? This situation has changed the landscape um, everywhere. Uh, kids who would ordinarily be in school are at home. Significant others who may be working in their own uh, non-essential uh, positions in the workplace, uh, they're not able to work because of the work at home orders or they're working from home. So um, they're home. So you've got kids at home, you've got spouses, significant others at home. Uh, so the landscape is completely different. And the stresses that come along with all of that are also different because, you know, when we get when we have the opportunity to go to work, when the kids go off to school, um, as much as we love our family and our kids, you know, it's a it's a stress relief valve for us uh, that we're not, you know, within the same four walls, 24, seven, seven days a week. Yeah, everybody kind of loses their outlet. And, you know, hey, I was a firefighter for 30 years and there is a little bit of an outlet when you go to work. Are you seeing anything out of the ordinary um as as far as additional, um, I guess, stressors or things that we as firefighters need to pay attention to, not only at work, but when we go home? If you think about a container or a cup, and you think about filling that cup up to the very top, set that cup down, you stand back, you look at it, and the cup is doing its job perfectly. It's not spilling a single drop, but it is a cup that's full. And then, of course, I come along and you're not looking and I'm a troublemaker and drop a couple extra drops into that cup. And when you turn and look at it, that cup's overflowing. This situation is a setup for all of us to have cups that are filled towards the top or sometimes overflowing because uh, we're not having the, uh, the normal opportunities to kind of vent that stress or empty out that cup. Uh, but we're not necessarily thinking about it or aware of it. We're just reacting. Our patience gets less and uh, our frustration gets more and our irritability quotient goes up and, and our kids, you know, do what they always do, you know, and we're, we're reacting more intensely to it, um, which is what happens to us when our cups are overfilled. Um, and so, yeah, it's a stressful time and uh, some stresses uh, while they can't be avoided, um, if we're aware of them and we give ourselves outlets for them that are appropriate and healthy, uh, we can manage that stress level quite a bit better. And if I if I can, Brian, I, I would just interject. We did something at Local 112 uh, that we had never done before because we realized this situation was a different scenario 
and we wanted to outreach to our families at home. And so we did our first uh, webinar uh, for families, um, and we had a really um, outstanding panel of presenters on the webinar. Um, we had the, the local union president, Freddie Escobar, as an expert to all of the things that we're doing to protect our firefighters. We had the fire chief, uh, Chief Terrazas, who could speak directly to all of the things the department is doing with the union to protect everyone so that um, when our personnel go home, they're coming home in a healthy way. Also had a, a, a terrific uh, nurse educator on the phone to talk to the medical issues and field medical questions. Um, and then we had uh, six of our peer support team leads who could talk to what's going on in the field uh, and how we're taking care of our people. Um, and of course, I, myself as well, to give some behavioral health tips. We want to build on this. We want to engage our families and we want to continue the conversation. So we're in the process of planning future uh, webinars where we can interact with families at home. I, I, Steve, I think that is phenomenal. I think you really hit on something, and that is um, a time to integrate not just our members, but um, their spouses in on a much large, larger scale. And yeah, my compliments and my hats off are, are to Local 112 and uh, Los Angeles Fire Department. When you were talking about this, what are what are maybe three things that you you would tell a member? You know, you've had you've had one of those days, uh, you've had one of those shifts, and what are three simple things you could do um, to prepare yourself mentally for um, for going home and beginning to interact with your family? Have I came to you and said my day was shitty? I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know if I can go home. Steve, help me out. What are three simple things I can do? to at least take a deep breath and be a human being to my wife and kids. Transitions are huge. Uh, there was a time where we had no clue of the importance of transitions, whether it be on the fire side or whether it be on the law enforcement side. Um, and so depending on the day that the first responder would have, if there was no transition from work role and mode to home life, uh, it was a setup for a lot of hurt and conflict that can be, if not avoided entirely, at least mitigated. And it starts with awareness. The fact that you're asking that question, Brian, is huge. Because if we're not aware, if, if we're not conscious of a possibility, then we can't do a thing about it. And then whatever reactions we're having, they're going to be like reflexes, just like when the doctor hits that reflex below the knee, your knee's gonna gonna jump, uh, and it's it's hardwired. But having that awareness, it gives us options, and that's where freedom is for humans to choose. All of us to choose our reactions. So um, it starts with awareness, uh, and then practicing in a conscious way our stress management that we already know and and do our workouts. You know our time, our walks, listening to music, doing things you enjoy. It doesn't have to be anything complicated or fancy. Um, and it doesn't have to be talking to a clinician. 
Uh, it could just be a 15-minute talk with your best friend or one of our peer support team members about that shitty day that you just had, especially if you can talk about it with somebody who has um, done a similar job or the same job and can really understand it and gets it. Um, that's, that's really all we need to do is to mitigate uh, the impact of that kind of stress. So it's important just, you know, if you're leaving work and it's been one of those days, maybe be a good idea to reach out and, and do some prep work before you go home to the family. Do a couple of things that, um, that help decompress you, whether it's a good workout, a walk, a run, music. Prepare yourself for going home. I, I just thanks for that. And I hope that um, our members listening can, can find some ways through this as we, as we move forward. I want to kind of change a little bit of direction and we'll, we'll go back to the current situation. But I understand that the city of Los Angeles um, and UFLAC Local 112 have integrated um, peer support into incident command at, at any level, whether it's a, a physical rescue, a fire, um, uh, an EMS call. And, and I, again, wanted to get a sense for how does that, how does that work? So, yeah, and um, this is so amazing, and it just, um, it just validates this process of growth that, that we're having where the behavioral health piece, the peer support piece are being implemented into sort of daily life in, in the fire service. It's, it's not a big deal. It's a, it's a set of tools like, you know, any of the other tools that are on the rig, um, and the more we can kind of get that point, uh, then then the better off we're going to all be. And so what happened in this case was, uh, and I have to say, it, it's a team effort. It, you know, Local 112 um, Director Adam Walker really took this bull right by the horns. Uh, he's the Director of Health and Safety, and uh, he worked with the command center to uh, to implement the behavioral health piece or the peer support piece into the command structure. And they uh, created the right flow chart. You know, it's not something I'm capable of doing because it's not my, that's just not my world. Uh, it takes a firefighter to understand that. And so um, that's, that's what happened. The peer support team members that uh, are experts in that process developed that flow chart uh, the department was, they welcomed it with open arms, implemented it. And now as we move into future uh, large scale incidents and they roll out that IMT, um, it's done. That peer support piece, behavioral health piece is, we don't have to, we don't have to recreate that wheel, which is huge. We're actually seeing something that we've never seen before in that are firefighters that either test positive or have a a known um, exposure and entering a quarantine, a quarantine period, which can be anywhere from 14 days to so many days after exposure to be symptom um, asymptomatic. But what I really want to talk about is a quarantine um, piece, Steve, and, and what kind of dangers there are to that and what we need to watch for in that. What we do uh, through the peer support program, Brian, uh, is when members are off on injury, um, we we see them as a, a group that can feel isolated, 
detached from their fire station and their crews. Uh, and we've seen just um, uh, kind of historically that that's where guys can get themselves into, into some emotional trouble um, because they start to feel, well, they don't have their normal support and they don't have their normal routine. Uh, they don't have their guys. Uh, the kitchen table is not there. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody gets busy and we can, we can, not that we mean to forget about these, these people, but we just get busy and the time gets away from us. Um, and we recognize that as a risk, uh, on the behavioral health side for, for our members. So, um, uh, Susan Jensen, one of our firefighter peers, uh, has us taken that on as a special project. Um, and she's worked with the department and, you know, it's, there's some struggles, you know, because with the best of intentions, you have the HIPAA regulations on the one hand, which protects uh, medical information and keeps things private at, that should be. Uh, but then you have peer support that wants to reach out and provide support if needed. Uh, and if we don't know who those people are, we can't reach out. And so we've been building an ability to get some names, tech numbers so that we can reach out. Obviously, if a member is not interested in the conversation, we don't push it. We just make it uh, we just make it available. And so with our COVID-19 situation, guys that have been uh, having to stay in a fire station or uh, not be able to go home for a period of time, um, we have been reaching out, uh, working with closely with the fire department so that we can appropriately reach out, provide support, find out if there are any needs. Uh, does a family need something? We can, you know, drive whatever they need over and make sure they have it, uh, which goes a long way to our personnel to just kind of rest easy, get better, um, not to worry because we're not going to forget about their families. Certainly, we're talking about Local 112 and LAFD's program here, but a lot of things apply across the board. And members that hear this, you know, will have um, different levels of peer support systems. Part of my hope is, one, you learn something, but two, you take ideas away and be in a position not to have to reinvent the wheel. And, and hopefully a lot of the members out there that listen to this will pick up these little gold nuggets of value. The one, that, the one for me, Steve, it was your, your, just your simple statement of awareness, Brian. It's being aware of, of what, your, what your mental or behavioral condition is when you leave work. That's the ground floor right there. If you know you're leaving work and it's been one of those days and you haven't um, decompressed it completely, it's going to go somewhere, you know, whether it's on top of the family in a negative fashion, whether it's uh, one too many drinks um, after or um, prescription meds. It, it's, there's so many better ways to deal with the stress level that we have. And a big part of it is just being aware of it. Oh, you're you're so right, and that's that's ultimately where we really draw our most personal power is through building awareness, and um, because once we see something, then we can do something. Are you seeing um, the behavioral health unit? Are you more busy today since we've started um, kind of the whole um, pandemic response and the way we live, or is it? 
has it been just kind of steady? You know, I, I have to say that the, the first three weeks, um, so going back to, uh, I'd say, the end of March and the first couple of weeks of April, it, it was so busy for us because we were ramping up um, in development phase and delivering phase simultaneously. Um, so in the last week, uh, things have gotten a lot uh, more, I would say, normal. The schedule looks much more like a normal schedule, except that I have to work from home instead of at the local <laughs> 112. You know, Outside of that, it's it's pretty much the same. It's isn't that amazing? Because I was I was sitting there and I don't think I brought it up, but um, usually when I do this, we're sitting across a table from each other and having this discussion. And and I'll bet you there's probably 500 miles separating us right now. And and being able to have this discussion in a way that hopefully brings value and uh, meaning to our members, um, technology is incredible. You know, Brian, you had mentioned um, that I, I'd been at this for over 40 years. So uh, clearly I, I, I was trained uh, back in the day uh, before all this technology became so a part of the culture. And uh, I have to say uh, this COVID-19 scenario has sort of pushed me. I find now I'm, I'm doing FaceTime conversations. I'm doing. Uh, we're doing this ringer conversation. This is this wouldn't years past, you know. And I and I, I'm looking for the you know some of the growth that has has come from this. We did a family webinar, and, and it's the it, 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 we we had never done it before. Now we're going to able to actually using this internet and computer technology get into the homes of our members. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing and exciting. Yeah, it is. And you know what, just bringing that up, Steve made me think of something that, um, is, is in my opinion, very unique and it speaks right back to the technology, but I understand there's since the, uh, at least since the COVID crisis, and it could be a little bit, um, has grown before that, but I understand there's kind of a network that's built up. Um, in the LA basin, um, among department peer supporters, um, do you mind talking about that a little bit? Uh, no, I'm I, I'm excited to talk about that, and it's one of the things that is so awesome about getting to to work in this fire culture because fire departments um, are not selfish about what they learn and and uh they're willing to share it you know amongst each other there's a brotherhood uh you know um between fire fighters and it's so cool to see so in this case with covid19 and I, and I have to give all the credit to Scott Ross who's the peer coordinator over at LA County and he called me and he said hey um, what would you think if we put together a weekly conference call with five or six larger fire departments so that we could talk peer to peer, department to department about what we're seeing, what are our issues, where our struggles are, and what are our fixes, and what are we going, what are we doing to help our members? And, and Brian, we've been we've been having that call every Monday at two o'clock, um, and we've got five or six of the uh, larger departments on the line, and we're sharing. 
Um, no one, there, there's no, no one's worrying about, well, that's mine or you can't, you know, it's just, Hey, here's what we're doing. This seemed to work. And here's where, here's where we had challenges. And, um, it's been amazing. And, uh, we've just kind of fed off each other and, um, and, uh, it's been, it's been great. We're going to continue that, uh, for the next couple of weeks and we'll go as long as there's a need to do this. One of the things that I have learned and seen, uh, you mentioned Scott Ross, and I could start naming a lot of other people, but this is probably one of the most unselfish groups of people I have ever met professionally that um, they, they, they have seen and identified this need um, and, they, and they give it themselves. So my hat's off not only um, um, to you as one of our um, clinicians on this journey, but to every peer supporter um, that may be listening, the time that they put in, I mean, it kind of leads me towards last year and Governor Newsom signing SB 542, the Henry Stern sponsored bill on the PTSI presumptive, and then AB 1116, the peer support training and confidentiality. It's quite a culmination, but to see the men and women that really have been the backbone of this, the members in the field, you'll see a lot of those same faces that have been at this serving their brothers and sisters for many years. And it's been amazing to watch brother and sister firefighters put into this of their own time just to serve their fellow firefighters. It, it's, it just, it, it always has me in awe. For me as a, a mental health professional, uh, I feel so honored to be able to work in this amazing profession. I mean, it, when you stop and think about what firefighters do, what that job description is, to walk into people's worst days and bring solutions to their problem. There's a stress load that, that goes along with that. And if we can do something to help mitigate that and help guys, you know, go home to their families and be healthy and have the best lives they can have, well, then maybe that's a, that's a worthwhile profession. Uh, and that's why I love doing what I do. So can't thank you all enough. Um, and just so grateful to, to play a small part in all of this. It is really rewarding to see this um, behavioral health begin to be recognized for the injury it is and that you don't have to live with this. You can be healed from it and it doesn't have to be debilitating. And so that's a, that's a big step in the fire service. As we close this up for you, as, as one of our clinicians, give me two or three things that you would want um, a firefighter and their spouse to know about moving forward through this um, COVID-19 pandemic? Firefighters carry a lot. They carry a lot of weight because, you know, it's not easy to be a rescuer. It's, it's an amazing job. It's a great job. You know, being a hero is uh, it's a part of it and it's real, you know, um, it's a weight and um, it can wear you down. Call after call, run after run, you know, it, it can it can beat you up a little bit. And if you don't feel it's okay to not be okay, um, that could present other problems. If you don't feel that it's all right to get down or feel sad or feel hurt or feel frustrated, to feel depressed, uh, if you don't know that's okay, that that's normal, and that uh, there's things to do to mitigate those uncomfortable feelings, if you don't know that, 
then you compartmentalize it, you suck it up, you go on to the next call, and those things can build up in you and take you to a really, really crummy place. And if you're doing that all within your own self, it's a very lonely place. Um, and I've known guys, and you know, when they finally opened up, I I was blown away because I'd known them for a while and I had no idea they were carrying all that they were carrying. Um, but it doesn't come without a price. And the same thing goes true to for the families at home. Um, it's not easy having your significant other away two days, three days, four days at a time. You're running a household, you're raising kids, you know, uh, it's all on you. Um, it's a load. And, you know, you don't want to complain about it as the, as the spouse or significant other because, you know, your your partner is working their tail off. Um, and so you don't add to that. But it, it's OK to not be OK. It's OK to lean on somebody. It's OK to open up about these these kind of things. And uh, that's why we do peer support, because who can better understand what a firefighter deals with, it's another firefighter. Um, there are just certain things, as much as I love my job and as long as I've been doing it and as passionate as I am about it, I've never climbed that aerial ladder. I've never held that hose in my hand. I've never walked into that burning building. So I can't talk to you the same way that a peer supporter can talk to you who's done all those things. And the same thing is true for our families. And we're we're creating networks of support, family member to family member, wife to wife, significant other to significant other, begin the conversation, build the bridge if necessary to professional help, because we don't want anybody at the end of the day to be alone and feel that there's nobody there for them. Dr. Steve Forlick, awesome to have you as our brother and uh, have you with us in supporting the men and women in the field, the work that you've been doing to protect not only your members, but all members on the front lines um, from the bottom of our hearts here at CPF um, and the entire executive board and staff. I want to say thank you. If you feel like you need help during this crisis, I strongly encourage you to reach out before you hit your own breaking point. As part of the Fire Service Behavioral Health Task Force, CPF and CalJAC posted a special COVID-19 page at healingourown.org. You'll find resources, including coping tips and other information on how to help you and your family and crisis lines for those who may need them. Again, that's healingourown.org slash COVID-19. want to thank everybody for joining us. I'm Brian Rice, and that's the CPF Firewire. You can find CPF Firewire at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you find podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. You can also find CPF Firewire at the CPF website, www.cpf.org, and on the CPF YouTube page. We're always interested in getting your feedback, comments, and criticism. Tell us what you'd like to hear about. Drop us a line, info at cpf.org. CPF Firewire is a production of California Professional Firefighters. Our producer is Carol Wills. Our engineer is Matt McDermott. Please join us next month for another edition of CPF Firewire.